This is Mitski. By, uh, this is a, a song by Mitski called Thursday Girl. Uh, well, if you're a Thursday girl, this has got to be a great holiday for you. Am I right? Hey, uh, this week we are also commemorating the 59th anniversary of the murder of President John F. Kennedy. Somebody who has been studying that for a long time, writing about it for a long time, is Lamar Waldron. He has been described as one of the best investigative journalists in the country. He's written several books, including The Hidden History of the JFK Assassination. Lamar, happy Thanksgiving. I appreciate you joining me on a holiday. Great to be with you again, Frank, and a happy Thanksgiving to you and all of your listeners, too. So there are very few issues that kind of captivate the imagination and the attention of the public for 59 years straight. The JFK assassination happens to be one. Based on your research, what is your best guess about what occurred? Well, it's not a guess. Uh, I actually, uh, my collaborator Tom Hartman and I, we got the information directly from more than two dozen people who actually worked with John and Robert Kennedy back in 1963. And and they basically started telling us what happened back in early 1990. Uh, we had to wait uh, until a lot of them had passed away before we could write about it. But as, as Bobby Kennedy himself told close associates, uh, including the man that he had do a secret private investigation for him, his uh, close personal assistant in 1963, John Nolan, uh, the mafia had killed uh, his brother because the Kennedy brothers, uh, President Kennedy, Attorney General Robert Kennedy, who were waging the biggest war against organized crime America had ever seen in the early 1960s because – the mafia had basically its run of America back in the 1950s, its run of America and Cuba. So they had this big, very public war. This was in the newspapers every day. It was front page news and all the big newspapers and magazines. But they also had a very top secret private war against Fidel Castro at that same time with uh, – this would be something most of your listeners don't know unless they've read one of my books. Uh, America was preparing – for essentially another invasion of Cuba, except for December 1st, 10 days after Dallas, when the head of the Cuban army, the commander and founder of the Cuban army, Commander Juan Almeida, was going to essentially eliminate Fidel Castro and Raul Castro, blame their deaths on a Russian or a Russian sympathizer, because there were 11,000 Russians in Cuba at that time, and then Commander Almeida would invite the United States, to send more troops into Cuba to prevent a Soviet takeover because that was the height of the Cold War and just a year after the Cuban Missile Crisis when we were hiding under our desks at school and we all thought we were getting it blown up. So, so that was basically what was going on, this super-duper top-secret program that was never supposed to be revealed. And the mafia was able to infiltrate that top-secret program and use parts of that top-secret program, including the way that the head of the Cuban army was going to kill Fidel and Rule, and use that instead against President Kennedy in Dallas, in public, just the same way that uh, Castro was going to be killed in public in his Jeep in Cuba. They did it to JFK in his limo in Dallas, and that forced the United States government into this huge cover-up that has lasted, as you just pointed out, all of these many decades, initially to prevent World War III, because it was 
Kennedy was killed just a year after that Cuban Missile Crisis. We didn't want to get blown up. And uh, but of course, agencies do what agencies do: the FBI, CIA, Naval Intelligence, Secret Service. They all covered up so much information at the time from from the Warren Commission and from the, the press and the public and, and from other officials. And then once you do that cover-up, they just kept covering it up. Congress passed this great law unanimously back in 1992, release all the JFK mm-hmm. assassination files eventually, uh, appointed this committee – uh, President Bush appointed a committee, uh, and, and and they were going to release all the files, and they set this deadline. They released a bunch in the 90s, uh, including some really great ones most people don't know about. And then they were going to release all the rest of them, you know, like in 2017, and then that deadline got kicked to 2018 and then 2019. And, and, and they're all supposed to finally be released on December 15th of this year, but – I will boldly predict on your show, and I would be happy if I'm wrong, that none of the most important files will be released on December 15th as the law requires. Obama didn't do it. Trump didn't do it. Biden had a deadline last year, and and he let them release 10 percent of the files, but made them promise they'd release them all this December the 15th. The the government agencies, long-term bureaucrats, not the – politically appointed leaders, but you know people that have been on the agencies for 20 years, they've been covering up so much for so long, they're not going to let those files out, like, like the attempt to kill JFK in Tampa, Florida, in his motorcade there four days before Dallas, the secret naval intelligence investigation that exonerated Oswald, said he was incapable of doing the actual shooting because he was a terrible shot. Uh, or masterminding the assassination, because, yeah, Oswald's no mastermind. And so files like that, you know, they're not going to release, but I spent more than 30 years tracking down what's in those files with the help of people who worked with John and Robert Kennedy. And so people can find out what's in those files if they read The Hidden History of the JFK Assassination. Uh, and otherwise, you know, I mean, contact the White House, contact your members of Congress, contact your senators and say, hey, you know, you guys passed this law in 1992. Don't let these agencies do it again, because most of the people in those agencies are, you know, good people, great people, you know, that, that do a, a really tough jobs in the FBI and CIA and Secret Service. But, you know, you've got some long term you know, bureaucratic leaders that they just don't want that embarrassment because it would be very embarrassing. All right, Lamar, you said quite a bit there that I want to follow up on. I'm not sure where to begin. I guess first I'll begin with um, the the, your prediction that they're going to find some reason not to disclose these files and release them to the public as they have been required to do under the law. And ironically, and I mentioned this uh, the other day, One of the people that made that same prediction back in 1998 was Kermit Hall, who served on the Assassination Records Review Board. This is what Kermit Hall said back in 98. While the board is going away today, its work continues. The echo of our efforts will be heard literally for uh, the next decade or longer. But it also depends, since uh, some of these documents have been postponed in their release until uh, the year 2017, in some cases earlier, it depends on all of us uh, to keep the people who are in the agency's uh, feet to the fire so that uh, when those dates come for documents to be opened, that uh, they don't shirk. Uh, their legal and constitutional responsibility and really the moral responsibility that's entailed in our act. 
actions and making sure that the American public has the opportunity to come to terms with the issue of whether or not its own government participated in the murder of the president mm-hmm. of the United States uh, back in uh, back in the early 1960s. A really interesting piece of audio from Kermit Hall. But you actually think that these documents, these 15 to 25,000 documents that they're refusing to disclose, you actually believe that um, you think that there's a smoking gun within those documents that will tell people the truth about what happened? Oh, here's how I know there are. So Kermit Hall was one of the members of the JFK Assassination Records Review Board that uh, that Congress authorized. Bush appointed the members. They operated under Clinton. So this was was all very bipartisan Mm -hmm. stuff. And I I was a – and and these files have been released, by the way. I was a secret informant for the review board and for the executive director and their investigators. So I made darn sure they knew about, say, for instance, the Tampa attempt. I I, I wrote them. I got a a TV program on the Discovery Channel that talked about that back in 92. Guess what the Secret Service – did as soon as the review board investigators contacted them about these things this writer named Waldron had said on TV and had said to them, the Secret Service destroyed the files covering the Tampa attempt. Now, I mean, and we're talking even even newspaper clippings. You know, they they just, and that's and that's in the report of that organization whose you know member you just you just played that incredibly great clip from. And so, uh, but but here's some great news for you, for your listeners. You know, the the Tampa attempt it's covered in exactly one newspaper article that came out the day after JFK was shot. You know, I, I talked to the Tampa chief of police. The guy who was chief of police at that time and other members of this, so I got that whole information. But the Secret Service destroyed those files, but I know they kept other files. They gave copies of their files, in some cases to the FBI, to the CIA, and to Naval Intelligence that operated there in Tampa. And so the files exist. I'll give you another great example, that Naval Intelligence investigation. Two separate independent sources, one who worked on it, one who saw the final report. And I told the review board about it. The review board investigators, they went to Naval Intelligence. Naval Intelligence appointed a, a, a young officer as their liaison, said, hey, this, this officer will get you everything you want. When that officer started looking for those files, Naval Intelligence drummed that officer shamefully out of the service. Wow. Wow. And, 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 they, and initially, Naval Intelligence would not even uh, admit, you know, would not submit their uh, statement of compliance to the review board under oath. Yeah, you know, they would because they knew it was fake. But get this that 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 naval intelligence investigation that exonerated Oswald that still exists. So these files exist. I'm confident they will not be released on December 15th because most of them are not even on the list of files to be released. The number you mentioned the you know 15,000 or so documents. What most of your listeners don't know is a document in government parlance can be 1,000 pages, 5,000 pages, 20,000 pages. NBC News, when the review board, that, that Kermit Hall clip you played, NBC News reported right after that that there were a million CIA records alone that had not been released as the law required. Notice they didn't say pages of records. They said records. So we're, we're not talking – Five or ten or twenty smoking gun documents. All all the documents, ninety nine point nine percent of the documents about that top secret coup plan that was supposed to happen. Yeah, they aren't even on the list of files to be released because we're still 
in a top secret Cold War with Cuba. You know, so they have all these justifications these agencies do. But my favorite was the Biden justification of covid. They couldn't release these documents because of covid. If people are uh, are just tuning in, we're talking with Lamar Waldron. He has uh, written and investigated the JFK assassination for years. He's also the author of several books dealing with it, including the hidden history of the JFK assassination. And Lamar, on Tuesday, I spoke with Larry Schnapp, the attorney who has filed the lawsuit uh, trying to get these documents released. This is what he said about the importance of the lawsuit and why these documents need to be released. Why did you choose to pick this one? Why file the lawsuit over these records being released? Well, the uh, the Congress said 30 years ago that 30 years was enough, and they want an expeditious review uh, release of the records, and they gave till October 26, 2017, to release the rest of the records. The records that were not released when the Assassinations uh, Records Review Board went out of business in 1998 were held back on the grounds that they posed an identifiable risk uh, to national security, um, and they were to be – they figured another 25 years would be enough time to then release them. Well, in uh, 2017, in uh, – October 2017, President Trump postponed the release of the records for six more months. And then in 2018, he then further released, uh, postponed the release for another three and a half years. Now, I have a separate lawsuit that was filed against the National Archives. And while I was seeking the underlying correspondence um, in those decisions to postpone the records. And what Mm. the American people don't know, the public record is that the National Archives recommended to the president both of the postponements is that both postponements comply with the law. But the records I have received shows that the National Archives actually objected to the grounds for postponement that were being asserted by the CIA and the FBI. The FBI um, has about 7,400 records they're holding back, and 6,000 of them involve the mafia. Uh, let me ask you, Lamar, it seems like the legal basis and the legal rationale for this lawsuit is pretty sound. Why are you then so pessimistic that we won't be successful in getting these records released? Well, by the way, I, I totally support that lawsuit. Um, uh, I, I've traded emails with, with Larry before, and I know some of the other attorneys involved. So they, they did a great job with the lawsuit because it got in the news. You know, it got on NBC News, all of it. You know, so, so filing a lawsuit is a good way to get publicity. It, it did that. You know, the legal system can take – Years and years and years and years. Uh, the CIA, you know, they've been withholding files. The last case, Brett Kavanaugh decided as a member of a, an appeals court, uh, was to say basically the decision, this is right before he got nominated to the Supreme Court, that the CIA didn't have to follow that law. The CIA could assert anything it wanted to. I'll give you another example. There's a big, uh, I think there's a podcast series on CNN about was James Brown murdered or not, okay? So people working on that, they filed a Freedom of Information request for records about uh, James Brown that the CIA had. The CIA came back and said within the last couple of years, oh, we can't release these James Brown's records because it's a matter of national security. It would harm the national defense. I will guarantee your listeners there is not one CIA record about the singer James Brown that would in any way harm national defense. So we really don't have, you know, uh, uh, 
you know, Kavanaugh is now in the Supreme Court. We, we don't have a Supreme Court that's going to enforce the law. You know, Congress is now divided. Will they do it? Uh, Mitch McConnell got his start as a staff, low-level staff member on the Warren Commission. On the other hand, Senator Charles Grassley, now he said publicly he wants to see those files released. Boy, what a great thing if the Republicans and the Democrats in the Senate mm. could work together um, you know, and, and hold public hearings. You know, get Larry and and and, and others in front sure. of the uh, uh, the absolutely American people. That would be great. And, and, have and, and, and people forget the Congressional Select Committee of the 1970s did show, by their own conclusion, they essentially refuted the Warren Commission report. They found that there was a conspiracy, and that was a Congressional Committee back in the 70s when a lot of these documents weren't released. Lamar and they, and they named two people. They named uh, the Godfather of Texas and Louisiana. Louisiana, Carlos Marcello, and the godfather of Tampa, Florida, Santo Traficante Jr., as having the motive, means, and opportunity to have assassinated President Kennedy as part of that very conspiracy that you said they, they founded. And yet, Lamar, I, I, I have to run um, way, way late here, but the fi- final question, you talk about Oswald being exonerated. Do you believe, or does your research show, I should say, that Oswald was not part of the assassination plot at all, or just that he did not fire the fatal shots that killed Kennedy? Well, I, I don't want to go much beyond what the Naval Intelligence Report says, but, you know, um, basically he was not a knowing member of of the assassination plot. He thought right. he thought he was going to... Mexico City that day, and then on to Cuba is is a low level member, of, a part of this you know top secret coup plan. So that's what he was focused on. Got it. On. Got yeah. it. Hey, uh, Lamar, I hope we can talk again soon. I really appreciate the time this morning. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and your listeners. Thank yeah. you so much, Frank. Thank you. This is Greg Kelly for Priority Gold. What does it mean to be America's precious metals dealer? It means that you're in touch with the hearts and minds of those who love this country, value our freedom, and want to protect the future. Priority Gold is that precious metals dealer. They've helped thousands of Americans back their retirement with solid gold and silver. Call Priority Gold at 888-506-6439. Receive free shipping, free storage, a free investment guide, and one of the best purchase experiences in the industry. Call now or go to PriorityGold.com.